1: with dr frank turek some of you may know i have uh, three sons my wife and i do and uh the oldest two uh were in the air force the in fact the oldest one still is he is the one that i wrote the book hollywood heroes with zach turek that's my eldest son hollywood heroes how your favorite movies reveal god the second son also in the air force Uh, He was a pilot in the Air Force for about 11 years, and he just got out of the Air Force and got hired by American Airlines. So he and his wife and our two grandsons just moved to Charlotte recently. And so this past Sunday, they wanted to check out a church in Charlotte. So my wife and I went along with them. And the pastor, nice guy, his name's Chris Edwards, right down here at Graceway Baptist Uh, during his sermon said he was uh, working out he goes to a YMCA or some sort of workout facility here in the Charlotte area and uh, he had uh, a guy come up to him who had seen a lot of uh, many times in this uh, workout facility this gym and uh, the guy said to him hey uh, what do you do for a living And uh, Chris was thinking, oh, man, I don't know if I want to answer this, because if I tell him I'm a pastor, I wonder what kind of reaction I'm going to get. So he said, first of all, he kind of he he kind of made me take my headphones out (laughs) when he asked me a question. And uh, so I took my headphones out and I said, well, uh, what do you what do you think I do? And he said, I got you pegged for the medical field, the medical field. Really? Why 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 do you think? He goes, I don't know. I, I just get this this sense that you're in medical sales. He goes, Well, actually, no, I'm not in medical sales at all. He said, Well, what do you do? And he said, Well, I'm a pastor. And the guy took two steps back. <laughs> and he goes I would never think you're a pastor he goes why what what have I done in here he said well you know you're just kind of big and intimidating well you think I'm big and intimidating no no I'm I'm not really I'm I'm a pastor and the guy kind of made it known to him that he was not a believer and uh, Chris thought to himself you know God has put this guy in my life now I'm I'm kind of responsible for at least sharing the gospel with him at some point. He's now mine. God has put him in my life providentially. So I'm kind of responsible. And you know what? Pastor Chris is right. And guess what? You are responsible. I am responsible when people come to our door claiming that they have the truth and they want us to know the truth as well. Now, unfortunately, many times when people come to our door with the truth, what they think is the truth, it's not really the truth. It's usually a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness. But God has put that person on our doorstep. And if we just slam the door and refuse to answer, are we really being an obedient ambassador for him? I mean, he went to the cross for us. Can we at least... Speak to people who have come to our door to talk about religious, spiritual matters. Can we at least open our mouths and make a, a good case for why Christianity is true? I hope so. But if not, you're going to have an opportunity today to learn how you can make a good case, how you can witness to people that do come to your door, whether they be Mormons, whether they be Jehovah's Witnesses, or if you ever have an opportunity to speak to a Muslim, because we have with us today Dr. Brady Blevins, who for many years has been with Watchman Fellowship. And if you don't know about Watchman Fellowship, you need to go to watchmanfellowship.org, Watchman Fellowship, M-A-N, and you will see that they deal with different... Different religious beliefs and how to approach people who are in those different religious beliefs, and he is actually going to be the lead instructor on a brand new online course. We'll tell you about a little bit later in the program. Uh, Brady has also been to uh, CIA, the Cross Examined Instructor Academy. He's been with Watchman Fellowship for eleven years. He's also taught at Arlington Baptist University. Is it Arlington Baptist University, Braven Uh, uh, Brady? Is that the the name of it? And uh, down there in Arlington. Texas, so it's great to have Brady on. Brady, first of all, how did you get involved in apologetics? Let's just start at ground ground zero. How did this happen? You said you told me before you were been a Christian since you were ten, but how did you get involved in apologetics?
0: Yeah, well, first of all, Frank, thanks for letting me have it uh, come on your program. But uh, for me, it all started in the eighth grade. Uh, I was in the sitting in the back of my Texas history class. Uh, I grew up in Arlington, Texas, and. Um, I'm sitting back there and I got two friends there, they're right next to me. And of course, you know, we're doing what every eighth grade boy is trying to do at school and that's not learned and have a good time. And, and we're, we're chatting back and forth during the course of the semester. And, uh, something comes up about, you know, birthdays and, and one of the, one of my friends looks at me and goes, well, I don't, so I don't celebrate birthdays. I'm like, What? What, what do you mean you don't celebrate birthday? Everybody celebrates birthday. He says, no, no, no. He goes, I, um, it's my religious beliefs. And I'm thinking, what religion are you in that doesn't let you celebrate birthdays? And he says, well, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. And I looked at him. Now, mind you, I mean, I'm an eighth grader. And I looked at him and I said, you're telling me you've never had a Chuck E. Cheese birthday party? Is that <laughs> what you're telling me? And he and he laughed. He goes, yeah, I've never had. I said, this is out. I mean, this is crazy. I I mean, if we had had cell phones back then, I would have called CPS right then on his parents for not (laughs) letting him have a Chuck E. Cheese birthday party. And so what happened from then is we got into this conversation and, uh, and another friend of his, a guy kind of sitting on the other side of me, uh, he was a Jehovah's witness too. And so we started this dialogue, uh, that, that went on through the whole eighth grade year and even even beyond to where we were discussing, I'm like, you know, okay, well, what do you believe? I'd heard of Jehovah's Witnesses before, and I'd heard of like 144,000. Didn't really know what that meant. I mean, I knew it had something to do with some numbers in revelation, and it wasn't what we believed as a good Baptist. And so um, I, I I just realized then and there, I need to know what he believes if I'm going to be effective in being able to communicate in the right way, what I believe to him. And so it was from that moment forward. Now it, you know, it wasn't really until my freshman year of college that I actually started. So about five years later before I actually started um, learning about this stuff. And then it was still a few years after that before I actually started getting involved in, and actually doing apologetics.
1: Now, How did you get connected with Watchman Fellowship and and give uh, our listeners kind of an overview of what you do?
0: Yeah. Okay. So Watchman Fellowship, which by the way, it's watchman.org is our website. Uh, It's a ministry that was started in 1978 uh, in Georgia. And the whole purpose of the ministry was uh, and is to this day, it's an interfaith apologetics ministry. So we're looking to uh, educate the community, equip believers to be able to effectively evangelize those of other faiths. So we're looking at, you know, like Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, Mm -hmm. Muslims, which is uh, those are the three most common groups that we see, but you also have other groups out there as well. Um, like you know, for example, uh, Black Hebrew Israelites—they are yep. on a, a huge rise right now mm-hmm. uh, in our country. They they went from just a couple of thousand to now well over a hundred thousand, uh, getting closer to a, to a million. Uh, so I mean, that's that's a huge group that's growing. But you also have these other smaller groups out there that affect affect people, affect families. And so what we look to do is uh, we research those groups. In fact, that's one of the things that I do. I, I research and I speak in churches all across the country, and we even speak internationally as well, uh, looking to just equip believers. Uh, we lead a annual mission trip to Utah, uh, and that's a time where we're boots on the ground, uh, training people, putting them face-to-face uh, with, uh, with Mormons, and being able to have effective gospel conversations.
1: Well, we're going to talk about how you can have effective gospel conversations with primarily Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and Muslims here on this broadcast. And uh, then we'll tell you about a brand new course that Brady is the main professor for. Uh, a little bit later in the program where you can go into a lot more depth and become a better ambassador for Jesus. Because when people come to your door, God has put that person on your door for a reason. At least make progress with them. How can you do it? We're going to tell you how you can do it. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with me, Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with me, Frank Turek, on the American Family Radio Network. I want to mention that I'm going to be in near Baton Rouge, actually, this weekend uh, at a church near there. If you go to our website, crossexamine.org, you can see it. Next week, I'll be out in Menifee, California. At another church there. And both of these churches, we're doing the morning sessions and then the evening sessions. In fact, the one in Menifee, California, we're going to be doing If God, Why Evil, the one in Baton Rouge, we're going to be doing I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And we'll be at Purdue University on February 1st. Keep an eye out for that. And then there's a really big event I'll tell you about in the next segment out in Dayton, Ohio, in middle in the middle of February. I'll tell you more about that in the next segment. So keep your eye out for that today we're talking to dr brady blevins who is going to help us uh interact better in an evangelistic way with mormons with jehovah's witnesses with muslims he is the professor of a brand new online course we will be running next month called conversations with the faiths how to have meaningful conversations about mormonism islam and jehovah witnesses and uh brady's been doing this for quite a long time in fact brady um your colleague there at Watchman Fellowship, James Walker, uh, was actually a Mormon for a number of years. Uh, tell me a little bit about James and what you've learned from him.
0: Yeah, well, James has definitely been a mentor and kind of a father in the faith for me. I I first met him uh, when I was about 14 years old, right about the time I was in, in the uh, eighth grade. Uh, my brother was a freshman in college, and that's how I got in touch with Watchman, and uh, the interesting thing about James, and I, I can't say enough good things about him, and that's not because he's my boss and signs my paycheck, but um, he is a former fourth-generation Mormon. Uh, he did baptisms for the dead in the Salt Lake Temple, and he has um, really a unique perspective because he grew up Mormon, mm-hmm. and uh, and it wasn't until he was um, in his early 20s that he actually Um, accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior and, and became a Christian, became a Christ follower so that's a little bit of his background
1: now i know you're going to get into a lot of depth in the course and we only have 40 minutes here or so on this program so we can't go into a lot of depth here but can you give us an overview of how mormon doctrine differs from orthodox christian doctrine because people think oh mormons they're just another christian denomination when in fact they are dramatically different in their doctrine i mean Obviously, many of them are just wonderfully nice people, but when it comes to what they believe about God and the Bible uh, and why we're here and about Jesus, it's radically different. What, what are some of the differences?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things, Frank, that, that the church is doing, the Mormon church is doing right now, is they're trying to sound a whole lot more evangelical in the way that they speak. And so it, it becomes very attractive. But once you get in, you're going to notice some big differences from Orthodox Christianity. First of all, they're not a monotheistic religion. They're polytheistic. They believe that um, that not only has there been other gods before, but you can actually become God too. In fact, mm-hmm. the famous Lorenzo Snow, who was a prophet and president of the church, he said uh, something to the effect of, as man is... Uh, God once was, and as God is, man may become. Um, They look at Jesus. Uh, I mean, we see Jesus as eternally existing. As to where they see Jesus as someone who came into existence. In fact, he was actually one of our spirit brothers in what's known as the pre-existent. And I know some people may be saying, what are you talking about? What, what do you mean the pre-existence? Uh, yeah, that's a whole other Mormon doctrine, which, by the way, uh, you can look in the Bible. There is no pre-existence ever discussed.
1: Well, it's interesting that you would say that they're polytheists because I couldn't believe it when I first learned this. When I came to Southern Evangelical Seminary 30 years ago, um, that they were actually saying that if you're a good Mormon man and you live a proper life in Mormonism, one day you're going to become a god and get your own planet. And the god of this planet did that somewhere in history. So there's not one sort of overarching god There's many gods and the gods are physical beings. uh, And I I know that sounds, this doesn't sound right. Like it sounds like I'm making a caricature of Mormonism up, but I'm not, am I?
0: No, no. Everything you said is, is completely true. uh, And right along the lines with what Mormonism teaches. And and here's, here's the wild thing, because this is different than uh, I think any other religion I've ever studied because in Mormonism, it's not just up to you to be able to achieve godhood for as a man, um, your wife, uh, your wife has to be a good Mormon doing all these things for you to be able to become a god. And then she, of course, becomes the goddess of your planet. And and of course, like you said, there was a god before Elohim, which is the name that they refer to as as. Uh, what we would refer to as God, the God of the Bible. They say, oh, that's Elohim. And, and so there was another God before him. So uh, they believe in a multiverse, even though, mm. you know, it's, it's, I guess that's probably a whole nother show. <laughs> right. But <laughs> yeah, you see the differences.
1: Uh huh. Now, uh, I know when Mormons come to our door, they'll wear a little name tag and it'll say Elder Jones. And the kid's like 18 years old and he's got acne. Yeah. And I'm going, Elder, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> how, do, how does this work? And they always come in at least twos. Mm-hmm. Um, when they come to your door, what are some of the questions you might ask them, Brady? And Or maybe you can give us a story about you interacting with a Mormon and how it went. That Because I, I have a couple of stories, too. But why don't, why don't you give me one of yours?
0: <laughs> yeah. First of all, when they come to your door, we got to realize they're not the enemy. Mm-hmm. They are a victim of false teaching. And and we have to see them that way. Uh, because if, if we see them as the opposition, as the enemy... Uh, we're not going to speak the truth in love, and so we got to understand that. Now, when they knock on your door, uh, I always tell people, and I think this is this is a really good approach, is to go ahead and and set up a meeting with them, and say, you know, hey, this isn't the best time. Um, how about next? You know, how about next week Mm -hmm. and schedule time with them? One, they're going to be very thankful because nobody I don't care who you are. Nobody likes to go cold knocking on doors to talk about religious matters. These young men are getting doors slammed in their face. They're having ugly things said to them. The dog sicked on them. You know, I mean, they they don't you know, they, they need some love and compassion. And then what you have is you have a week to get yourself together. Because here's the reality of it. Um, Even though with with Mormon missionaries, this may not be completely true at all times, but they know the lie better than most Christians know the truth.
1: True, And so –
0: chances are you're probably not going to be ready on a cold knock i mean and i mean unless you know you're working at watchman fellowship for the past you know 10 15 years of your life and in which case you probably are but uh but even then I, f- I follow my own advice because it's better off just to review and have have a good week of prayer and start praying for these young men by name and that god will bless the time and so i, I really think that's the best thing to say when they first knock on your door
1: so you could schedule some time later you can get prepared yourself uh you can have the right questions to ask what what kind of questions have you asked mormons and how has the conversation gone
0: well there's a number of questions that that you can ask them um There's a number of different methodologies. One of the ones that we talk about in the course is what's called uh, the hunger and thirst model. It comes after Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, where he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And in this particular model, what we do is we use a counterintuitive method that begins using the Mormon scriptures. And we take them to um, a in the Book of Mormon, there's a book called Moroni. It's kind of set up kind of like the Bible in that respect is in terms of books, chapters, and verses. Mm-hmm. And we'll take them to Moroni chapter 10, where it, uh, where the Book of Mormon says that, you know, if you are, uh, you know, if you're perfect, you know, if you, if you don't have any sins, uh, then God's grace will be granted to you. Now I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And then I just simply ask them, um, what does that mean? And I let them interpret it. And from there, They'll give you three categorical answers, and and um, we have other passages that you go through from there. And then we also have a longer sit-down uh, version where we can train you to be able to witness to a Mormon with the Book of Mormon. Uh, we can test the Mormon prophets, a couple of different ways that you can go.
1: Have you found out that when you ask certain questions, you're planting certain seeds that maybe sprout later?
0: Oh, absolutely. So... Mm-hmm. The, what the research shows is that from the time a Mormon first hears the true gospel message to the time that they accept Christ is about seven years. So wow. you don't always know where you are in the process. Um, the very first, the very first uh, young lady uh, that I spoke to whenever I went on uh, my first mission trip to Utah in 2013. Uh, James and I were talking to her, and and James was doing all the heavy lifting Mormon stuff, and I just got to give the gospel. I was still in the pastorate at that time, um, and and I extended the opportunity for her to accept Christ, and she did, and uh, and I walked away thinking, man. This evangelism and Mormon stuff. This man, this isn't that hard. I'm I'm batting a thousand right this now. This is
1: easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah piece uh-huh. of cake.
0: Um, well, I can tell you that I'm still not batting a thousand. Uh, <laughs> that that has gone off the track. So you don't know where in the process you are, and especially if you're talking to Mormon missionaries, you got to understand that um, if if one guy shows a major crack, uh, his his companion could very well go to the stake president. Um and and say, hey, uh, you know, Elder, on him, huh? Elder Smith over here yeah. is not doing too great. Um, and and the worst thing that could happen for him is to be sent home. That would be a great disgrace to the family, and it's something that they just simply would not want to have happen.
1: Well, they really have to be perfect in order to or approach perfection in order to make it to heaven, because they don't believe in grace alone, do they?
0: No, no. In fact, Second Nephi um in Second Nephi It clearly says for by is for by grace that you are saved through faith after all that you can do
1: after all that you can do. So Mormonism turns out to be just another works based religion uh, that uh, would violate just about every book in the New Testament, particularly the book of Galatians and the book of Romans. Uh, and the book of Ephesians, and I could go on, yeah. which basically say, no, you're saved by grace. In fact, Jesus, why did he come? He, he said, yeah. I didn't come to, to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And yet you still have these people putting these burdens on other people, uh, trying to say, if you're going to somehow make yourself right with God, you've got to do X, Y, and Z. And that's not the message of grace. That's the message, as Paul would say in Uh, in Ephesians 4. These are just the elementary principles of the world that people have to somehow figure out a way to appease the God or gods and uh, that's, that's not good news. That's old news. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's old teaching that tragically has people in bondage. And so the gospel is something you can liberate people with. And that's what you want to do. And you can do that, ladies and gentlemen, in a much more effective way when people come to your door. When God puts somebody on your door or you just meet people out wherever you are. You can learn more by taking the course that Dr. Brady Blevins is going to teach beginning uh, February 5th. It's called Conversations with the Face. This is the way you can equip yourselves to be better, more effective with Jehovah's Witnesses, with Mormons, with Muslims. We're back in two minutes more with Brady Blevins. you reach out effectively how can you be a good ambassador for people that don't believe what you believe particularly mormons muslims jehovah's witnesses you can take the brand new online course that starts february 5th just go to crossexamine.org and click on online courses you'll see it there it's called conversations with the face this is how you can be more effective and dr brady blevins is my guest today he's given us kind of an overview of what's in this course and some tips on how to interact with people who are jehovah's witnesses are mormons are muslims uh in fact uh brady uh, tell me a, a little bit about your interactions with jehovah's witnesses oh actually before we do um, what are some of the distinctives between Jehovah's Witnesses and what the Bible actually says about Jesus and about Christianity?
0: Yeah, so there's, there's some pretty significant differences. First of all, we'll start with Jesus because that's the most important mm-hmm. one. Uh, they don't view Jesus the same way we do. They believe that he is the Archangel Michael who has who's come down in flesh and blood he didn't die on a cross but he died on a torture stake and there was no bodily resurrection no bodily so resurrection
1: they're, Jehovah's they're, witnesses do not believe in the bodily resurrection and they don't believe Jesus was God either
0: right no 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 definitely not God they they it, they're almost like uh almost like Muslims in the sense that it's a very strict monotheism
1: so why um why Why call themselves Christian in a sense? In fact, I had a conversation with Jehovah's Witnesses uh, last month in uh, Charleston. We were there in Charleston. They're standing out there. So a friend of mine and I just started talking to them. And uh, they just are totally resistant to the idea of Jesus being God uh and of course the re- if there's no resurrection what's the point of all this ladies and gentlemen i mean yeah. you know that's the distinctive of christianity that jesus is our our sacrifice and he res- he's resurrected from the dead and one day we will be too and by trusting in him you're not only forgiven you're given his righteousness and 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 both this and mormonism brady began in the 19th century didn't they
0: yeah, it, it sure did. Uh, it really kind of the if you want to push back to its earliest background, uh, comes from a Baptist preacher named William Miller, and then from that there comes multiple groups. But you have a fellow by the name of Charles Taze Russell. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, has a essentially is a haberdasher has a clothing store, and um, and it really falls into this idea that Jesus is going to return. Um, in, in 1875. And so from here, uh, he, he hooks on with another, they have a falling out and he starts, uh, the, uh, Christian, uh, uh, Jehovah's Christian witnesses. And, uh, and, and then from there, it, it, it kind of continues on and he clings to this whole concept, uh, that, that, uh, Christ is going to return and you would think that with every false prediction, that these groups would just fall apart. But what happens is, is that uh, you know they 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 definitely lose people whenever the false prediction comes out. But there always is a net gain, even if it's just a few people. So with every false prediction, they're actually gaining folks along the way.
1: Wow. I wonder that's kind of odd. Well, give us a, give us a, and you're going to go into details in the course on how to witness to uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and also, you know, what are their core beliefs and all this, but give us an interaction that you've had with a Jehovah's Witness.
0: So one of my favorite things to do whenever Jehovah's Witness comes to my door, it's uh, I mean, I, I still follow the kind of the same concept that I do with the Mormon missionaries. I do want to give myself a week, you know, get polished up, get ready for it, pray about it. Uh, but but there's a question I always like to ask uh, that really plants the seed because, you know, especially after you have a couple of really good interactions with Jehovah's Witnesses, they keep good records. They know where you live mm-hmm. and they will, as I have uh, watched them before through the window, I've watched them literally stop on my sidewalk, look at my door, look down at their paper, and then keep walking to the next house. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Uh-huh. So now I have to like go run out the door and chase them down. Yeah, what did what did you do to get them to do that? We give us an interaction. What happened? Well, the the last time they knocked on my door, it's uh two two men, usually one a little bit older one a little bit younger. Yep. Uh, and they had a little girl with them, and and that's not normally the case. It was obviously one of their you know daughter or granddaughter. She's probably about eight years old, and uh, and immediately, I mean, of course, I know they're Jehovah's Witnesses, um, and and I said, oh, I said you guys are Jehovah's Witnesses, and they're like, yeah, and I'm like, I could never be a Jehovah's Witness, and they're like, why? I go, well, you guys are polytheists. Now I know that they're monotheists, uh-huh. but they said, well. They said, no, 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 we're not. I said, well, yeah, I said, you have to believe in multiple gods. And they said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, open up to John 1, 1 in your New World Translation and read what it says. Now, if you're not familiar with the New World Translation, it says, uh, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was a God. And so they read, I said, now you believe there's only one true God, right? And they said, yes. I said, so every other God is a false God right? Yes. I said, okay, so who's John 1, 1 referring to? And they said, well, Jesus. I said, I agree. And I said, it says Jesus is a God. I said, is he a God or is he the God? And they said, well, um, he's, he's, he's a mighty God. I said, well, no, 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 no. Is he, is he the one true God? Because if he's not the one true God, he's a false God. So is he the one true God or is he a false God? Mm-hmm. And of course, they can't say that he's the one true God because, you know, only Jehovah is the one true God. So now they're left with the only other option to say that he's a false God, and um, and so essentially, in one verse, you completely you completely destroy their theology, uh, especially concerning Jesus. So and what? So what? What happened but, after that? What? What did they say? So, So they, I mean, at this point they're, they're struggling. They have no answer. And I know they have no answer. And this is where, you know, you speak the truth and love. And I said, listen, guys, I said, uh, you weren't ready for that question today. And, but what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk to you about something that's bothering me even more than that. Now, at this point, their eyes got really big because they're like, you have other problems. Uh (laughs) And uh, I said, I said, can you come back to my house next week? I said, you know, next Saturday would be a great time. Let's plan for two hours together. And um, I said, just go ahead and give me your email address, and I'll send you an email, and we'll, we'll get it all confirmed. Well, I'm noticing that they're not reaching for their pen and paper. And and so I shamed them a little bit and said, come on, guys. I said, well, why won't you give me your email address? You're sitting here on my porch. Now, now I pushed them because this little girl is locked in everything coming out of my mouth Mm. and she is watching these two men. And I said, guys, I said, come on, you came to my house to talk about religious things. I want to talk to you. Let's schedule a time. And so finally they pull out a pen and paper and they start writing down their information. And this little girl looks up and goes, Hey, make sure, uh, M- make sure I get this information too. I want to be in on this conversation. <laughs> and uh, of course I'm, I'm loving it. I'm like, Oh, come on in, honey. Uh, I'll tell you all about the real Jesus. Uh, my uh-huh. wife's making pancakes. Come uh-huh. on, let's go. Uh-huh. Uh, and, um, and so it was, it was a great moment. And um, what actually ended up happening on that is um, I didn't get those two guys back. Um, instead, I got back one guy, which is very strange for Joe's witness. Uh, and he was a much older guy yes. who had been a Jehovah's witness for a very long time and we met uh we met a, a couple of times so on occasion you'll you'll get a real good group and maybe you can meet with them the longest I've had a, a year uh, mm-hmm. meeting with them every week for a year and that's been uh that's been a joy but uh, this guy got him for a couple of a uh, couple of weeks and it was pretty awesome
1: yeah and you're listening you might say to yourself well well what good is it going to do these people are entrenched in their position And you might say, well, we're entrenched in our position, right? Okay, no one's going to. Well, if nothing else, your job is not to try and convert or convert somebody to Christianity. Your job is just to be faithful. So you just do what's right leave lead the results to God. I can guarantee you this. If you did that for a year with a group of people, you would get much better at understanding your own Bible. Because they're going to be bringing up stuff that you go, oh, I didn't. I didn't know that. You know, what? what's the context of that? Let me figure that out. So when you have to study to show yourself approved because you know they're coming to your door again, that's just yeah. going to help you become a better ambassador overall. It's going to help you become a better disciple. You're actually in the great game. You know, our mutual friend, Jay Warner Wallace, always says this. He says, don't teach people, train them. Why? Yeah. Because if you train them, if you just teach them, they say it's not going to be a test, you know. Here, you just here it is. They're never going to take it on board. But if you say we got a fight, it's like it's like being a heavyweight fight, you know. We got a fight coming up in April, and if you're not ready, you're going to get embarrassed. You're going to know that material, right? Exactly. You're going to exactly. know it. I know in this course you're going to teach people um, that they're going to they're going to have opportunities to actually use the material. It's not just going to be academic.
0: Yeah. Right. It, it's and yeah, you're you're right on the money. And there's a reason why an apologetics degree is a theology degree because mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, I have been in a lot of conversations over the years and I've been asked a lot of questions that I didn't know the answer to. And that's why in this course we're going to focus on what do you do when you don't know the answer to a question? Because that's a reason why a lot of people will try to act like they're not home or slam the door in their face, but at the same time uh it's great because when you're asked a question you don't know the answer to, you want to go find an answer to that. And whenever it's just like you said, Frank, when you know the test is coming, boy, that that study time becomes a lot more important. And uh, boy, there's been there's been a number of times where I was asked questions I didn't know the answer to. But boy, not only did I learn the answer to it, but I never forgot the answer.
1: Mm conversations with the face is the name of the new online course and there's the premium version where you'll be with brady for uh several uh, live q a zoom sessions and then the uh the self-paced courses are divided up so if you if you just want to take jehovah's witnesses you can't if you just want to take mormonism you can't if you just want to take islam you can't or you can take all three uh so but the premium course with brady with the live q a is called conversations with the faith how to have meaningful conversations about mormonism islam and jehovah's witnesses and if you go to cross Examine.org. Click on online courses. You'll see it there. I also want to mention the new Fearless Faith program that we're going to be running in Dayton, Ohio, and it's not just me. It's going to be Greg Kokel, Elisa Childers, Phoenix Hayes, Jorge Gill, John Ferrer. It's going to be a Friday night, all day Saturday near Dayton, Ohio. It's actually at uh, the, I think it's at the Athletes in Action headquarters. It's not even at a church. Go to DaytonApologetics.com. DaytonApologetics.com. There's a VIP section you can get involved in. Uh, There's a lot of great uh, information you're going to learn on the culture and how to interact with the culture, how to be a witness to the culture. It is going to be February, let's see, 15th, no, 16th and 17th. That's a Friday night, all day Saturday. Athletes in Action Headquarters and the Schindler Banquet Center it's in looks like Zena, ohio it's very close to dayton ohio go to daytonapologetics.com to learn more about that again me elisa childers uh greg coco phoenix hayes jorge gill and dr john ferrer and we're back in two minutes with more with brady blevins when god puts somebody on your doorstep or somebody in your life You're expected to be an ambassador for him. After what he's done for you, the least you can do is study to show yourself approved so you can actually move people into the kingdom. In fact, what a great privilege that is. You know, God doesn't need us to spread the gospel, but he uses us to spread the gospel to give us what Pascal said was the dignity of causality, meaning that what you do every day matters not only in time, but in eternity. What a great privilege and also what a great challenge when you think about it, that what you do every day is going to impact not only time, but eternity. So maybe get off the Netflix. Uh, Netflix binge for one night a week for the next six or seven weeks and learn something about what other people believe so you can be a better ambassador for him. Take the brand new course, Conversations with the Face, by my guest today, Dr. Brady Blevins of WatchmanFellowship.org. And uh, Brady, let's talk a little bit more about Jehovah's Witnesses, if we can, because you've been doing this quite a while. You've been interacting with people from uh, the Kingdom Hall as we say it or as they say it. What are some do's and don'ts that you can share with our audience right now when you do interact with Jehovah's Witnesses?
0: Yeah, absolutely. One of the very first things that you can do and that you ought to do is is be kind. Show the love of Christ because trust me, they've had a lot of doors mm. slammed in their face. That's true of everybody.
1: Uh, to, right. Yeah. I mean yeah.
0: to to be a Jehovah's Witness, you have to log hours doing uh doing the kingdom work which is essentially magazine distribution i mean you're going door to door and so therefore they've had a lot of people you know hey i'm a christian and you know you know you're going to hell and you know they listen they've had enough of that so let's be kind let's show let's speak the truth in love another thing that you can do is pray for them but don't pray in front of them at the doorstep. Don't say, hey, can I pray for you right now here at the doorstep? Because they have been taught that when we as Christians are praying, and I I mean evangelical Christians, orthodox Christians, when we're praying that we're actually uh, taking part in in calling down uh, the devil, we're doing a dangerous spiritual act. And so uh, they may not respond um, quite the way that we want them to do. We also don't want to get we don't want to get engaged in what we call Bible ping pong. And, and what that is, is that's where, you know, you throw out a verse, they throw out a verse. You throw out a verse, they throw out a verse and you're going back and forth. And, and the reason is, is because, uh, first of all, you're going to lose. Now that might sound kind of harsh when I say that, but first of all, remember it's two against one. There's always going to be two of them at your doorstep, one a little bit older, one a little bit younger. Um, and then while one of them, it looks like they're looking in their Bible, but what they actually have at the back is they found out, okay, yo, you're Methodist or you're Presbyterian or you're Baptist, whatever the case is, they have a laundry list of Bible verses Uh, divided by subject. And so you want to bring that verse up? They got 16 more verses. Now, you hadn't planned to talk to a Jehovah's Witness that day. When you woke up that morning, you didn't go, you know what? I bet this afternoon a Jehovah's Witness is going to knock on my door. But I want to tell you right now, that Jehovah's Witness, that's all they've been preparing for. And they knew when they got up this morning, they were going to be talking to people, probably a Christian, about their faith. And so... Uh it's not necessarily a, a fair fight in that respect. And, you know, as as uh you know Greg Kokel would say, never read a Bible verse. Yeah. There's so much more that has to go into that's play. Right. And and we've got to get, you know, we, we need to settle in on a subject, and that and that's why this course is so important because we're not just going to tell you this, but you're gonna have the opportunity to interact in a couple of the different assignments that we have uh with those of other faiths and actually have these conversations for yourself.
1: Yeah, that's going to be, that's what we do in all our online courses is we give people very practical assignments where it actually gives them permission to talk with people they've always wanted to talk to, but didn't know how to do it without it appearing awkward. You know, if you go to somebody and you go, you know, you want to start a spiritual conversation. In a minute, I'm going to ask you how you can do that uh, without starting a fight. But if you want to have a spiritual conversation with somebody, it can almost seem like so awkward in our culture to try and get there. It seems forced. But if you go to somebody and, you know, somebody you love and you've known for a long time and you say, hey, I'm you know I'm taking this online course and I got this assignment. You know, I, I wonder if you could be my subject in this assignment. I'm supposed to interview somebody about religious matters. Would you mind answering some questions for Boom, yeah, sure, I'll do it for you. Yeah. Now you've been given permission to talk about what you always wanted to talk about, the real things that matter in life, and that is, is there a God, and if there is, how should we live, and and what is our future, what's our destiny, all that. Man, th- these assignments give you the permission to do that, uh, but... Uh, Let's talk about that for a second, Brady. Whether it's a Mormon, whether it's a Jehovah's Witness, or just somebody you, you know you want to interact with, how can you really start a good spiritual conversation without starting a fight or without making it seem so awkward? What what are some tips that yeah. you have?
0: It, you know, an important factor of this is when you are genuinely caring towards an individual that communicates so much more than your words. Mm. And people can sense that people can pick up on it because it's in your body language. It's in your tone of voice. And so sometimes you can even actually say the wrong thing and they'll give you quite a bit of grace. Now with that said, you got to give grace back to them uh, when maybe they don't say something quite right, or maybe they're kind of rude about something. But uh, the fact is, is that we can step in and just start the conversation by asking, asking a, a genuine question Um, Hey, What exactly do you believe? And just let them start talking. And then as you have questions, you know, the best thing is, is that when you ask a question, there's no knowledge needed on your part. Mm -hmm. You're not, you're not the subject matter expert in this. They are. And so therefore, if they say something you don't understand, absolutely ask them. In fact, it's even a good idea to have them define their terms along the way, whether they're saying something like, uh, you know, grace or faith or even Jesus, for that matter. <laughs> OK, what do, you, who, what do you mean when you say Jesus? Who is this guy? Oh, well, he's the Archangel Michael. Oh, OK, all right. Well, I know now we have something to talk about. And When you do that, the conversation is going to flow well. And it's going to turn out really nice.
1: But when you say, what do you believe in what context do you say? What do you believe about God? What do you believe about? Because that that almost seems awkward in today's culture, too, to even say that. I normally start with saying, you know, obviously, after introductions, hey, what do you do? Where are you from? You know, that kind of thing. How did you get to where you are? You know, learn their story. But then how do you transition into a, a conversation that will lead to a spiritual conversation?
0: Yeah. A lot of times with, with these folks taking a direct route really isn't as, as bad as what it may seem. Mm. And so a lot of times now, obviously if they're knocking at your door, you don't really have to try to start the conversation. It's already there, but maybe it's your, maybe you have a Mormon coworker a Jehovah's witness or a Muslim coworker. Well, when it comes to that, you know, you can just say, you know, I, I, through the conversation, hearing their story, they're going to give you something or they may even say, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a witness of Jehovah. Hey, you know, you earlier, you mentioned that you're a witness of Jehovah. is that like a Jehovah's witness? What, what do you, what is it that you believe? I think that's really interesting. And you would be surprised that when you ask the people that kind of, when you ask people those kind of questions, they're actually really excited to tell you because especially in Mormonism and, and, uh, in more, uh, Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses, I mean they they have a responsibility to share their faith, and so do we. So they're kind of itching to get in the conversation <laughs> yeah. just as much as you are.
1: Yeah, I mean if someone were to ask you what do you believe, you'd be excited too, right? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, that's what we want <laughs> to do. Turn to Book of Romans. <laughs> that's right. We want to <laughs> share the truth with people because we want other people to experience the truth of Christianity, not only now but for eternity. So it's not it's not a uh, an onerous obligation. Oh, gee, I got to share my faith or I got to share the faith, you know? No, it should be. I'm excited because I want people to know the truth. I want people to know Jesus. I want people to be forgiven of their sins. And I want them to be given the righteousness of Christ. And I want them to know it's all grace. And look, all these worldviews we're talking about, whether it's Mormonism, whether it's Jehovah's witnesses, whether it's Muslims, it's all works-driven, isn't it, Brady?
0: It sure is. It sure is. They they all, all three of them spell, in fact, every religion outside of Christianity spells salvation D-O. It's mm-hmm. only Christianity that spells it D-O-N-E.
1: Right. It's done. Yeah. Jesus has done it all. And uh, so we have to, we have to and should want to share that truth with people. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Any other do's and don'ts with regard to Jehovah's Witnesses?
0: Yeah, um, th- of course. You know the the first couple that I mentioned; those are those are the most important. Uh, one of the things that's essential to do uh, is again to be inviting, to be to show that love and compassion, and and don't uh, don't try to make it a debate. Mm. Uh, don't try to make it about um, pushing them to make a decision at that point in time because. It's it's very very similar to Mormonism, but it's even higher stakes. Mm. Because if you if you're trying to push them too hard, you got to remember it's always going to be either two men or two women at your doorstep, and very rarely are they related. It's uh, very rarely are you going to get like a husband wife team or a brother uh, you know father team uh, son father team or anything like that. They're generally unrelated, and and they do this for protection because here's what's going to happen let's say you make a really good point and that guy cracks and he says well maybe it's not true well his partner can go back to the kingdom hall tell the elders hey you know uh th- you know over here uh, Fred he's man he's cracking he he's believing what this christian with this uh you know whatever guys telling him and they could actually have a a trial and move into this opportunity to be able to excommunicate him or what they would call disfellowship. Mm. And at this point, he, if, if he has children, they're Jehovah's witnesses, maybe they're grown children. They can't talk to him. Wow. If, If he's younger, maybe his parents are still alive and they're Jehovah's witnesses. They can't talk to him. All of his friends are Jehovah's witnesses. And guess what? They're not talking to him. And so there's it's a, it's a, a high cost
1: item, isn't it, Brady?
0: Yes. Well, we're out of time, but we're going to pick up
1: with Brady in the midweek podcast next week and talk about Muslims, how to interact with Muslims. But if you really want to know more about this, sign up for the new online course with Dr. Brady Blevins called Conversations with the Face." Go to crossexamine.org. Click on online courses. You'll see it there. And we will see you here, Lord willing, next week. God bless.